Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Stay Paid Podcast. My name is Sefton Eisenhardt, and with me, as always, is company president of Reminder Media, Luke Acri. And not only do we have Luke Acri, but we are also honored to be joined by the VP of Marketing, Joshua Steich. And today we're going to be talking about an incredibly important piece of subject matter, and that is your small business website. Yes. So what's up, everybody? This is Luke coming at you. So guys, it's clear today, if you don't have a website, uh, you're not going to make it in business. 80% of buyers are starting their journey online. So we want to walk you guys through four different questions that your website really should answer. And if you can make sure your website answers this, then you're going to ultimately drive more leads and ultimately what you want, which is more revenue for your business. So just letting you guys know, there was a 2015 study performed by VeriSign reported that 84% of consumers believe that small businesses with websites are more credible than the ones without an online presence. So you're probably listening to this going, well, duh, of course that's the truth because you see it in your own life. But the point here is that you need to look at your business, look at your website, if you hopefully you have one, and make sure you're actually actually conveying what you want because the first point that for your website that needs to be answered is who are you and what services do you provide because the point of a website is to ultimately drive leads for your business there's no other reason to have a website if it's not driving leads which turn into deals which turn into commission checks which turns into obviously the food on your table and so when you look at your website one of the points that I want to make is when I started doing the journey with my brother Stephen in real estate one of the things that was essential to us before designing the website was figuring out who he was what's his story what is his brand for lack of a better word and he needed to portray that on his website now which is funny if you go to i think it's stephenacrerealty.com but you'll see that it's covered with his pictures because the point was when we looked at his brand we realized that he was a sharp looking guy and we could play off of this whole HDTV fad stuff that's going on pictures. now. Right, the good-looking yeah. pictures. And so we wanted to make his face kind of his brand and his image. So all of his road signs that he has out there for selling properties have his picture on it. His website is covered in his type pictures. But the point being is that we made a conscious effort to look at our website and go, what is the story of our business? So you need to ask yourself right now, what's the story of your business? What do you represent? What's your personality? And I think there's a good point, and maybe, Josh, you can talk about this a little bit. We, when we've been traditionally phone sales for most of, we've been around for 13 years, probably for the first 10 years. About 12 of those years. Yeah. yeah, 12 of those years, maybe. <laughs> we were mostly phone sales. So we were behind the times when it came to internet and came to driving leads online. And so we, on the phones, learned that closing deals was really based upon one value proposition, which was we get agents, we get financial advisors, we get them past the trash can with their marketing. The marketing that we provide them to send to their clients does not get thrown away. And that was the crux of our value proposition when we made these phone calls. So we tried to do that online. And what happened, Josh? Very little results. <laughs> they Very didn't results. work. Well, it, what we tried to do even more was we tried to tell our entire story, right? We tried to do what internally we have our what, how, why. And everyone should do this for their business where we, we lay out what we do as a business, uh, how we do it, and then why it works. Um, 
what we found though on the web is, and what we know through statistics is humans have very short attention spans. Our attention spans are like four seconds shorter than they were in 2000, right? Since we're all on the internet now, we're all on our phones. It all was the time. a goldfish. Now it's less than a gnat. Well, it's, what it's, you're saying. it's about a second less than a goldfish, right? We have, you have eight <laughs> seconds online to capture somebody's attention. Give them what you do very it's, quickly. It's interesting you say that because I saw a stat um, just earlier before this podcast that was saying that if your website doesn't load in less than two seconds, oh, you, will lose, than yeah, you yeah. will lose pretty much almost 100% yeah. of the viewers that come to your and website. And then what's even crazier is once your le- website does load, you have half a second to make an impression on somebody. Somebody will form an impression within less than a second after your website loads. It's crazy because when we, what Josh is saying, we tried to tell our whole story and we tried to take what we knew worked on the phone and put it online and it failed to work. Because when I look back, what I saw was that we are an explainer sale, and so it's not something that people get right away, and we tend to explain it in a 30-second elevator pitch, and then it goes into like a four-minute pitch and ultimately 15 minutes. And we tried to translate that online, and it didn't work, but we changed, and what we changed was, I call it like the brand, or I don't know what you would it's refer to. It's the value. To. I mean, we put the value up front, <laughs> looking at what people were actually responding to and why they're using American Lifestyle Magazine is in order to look good, right? So they like this idea that if they were sending a professional publication and their photo was on the front cover, it made them look better. And because as business professionals, these uh, professional service providers, you know, their business is themselves. You know, so understanding that I can look better, I can elevate the perception of myself in my client's mind is ultimately what was bringing people to us and ultimately through the images that we're running on Facebook and then bringing them to our landing pages where we're able to show them that nice hero shot and give them that value proposition immediately. I think we changed the, you know, the copy that actually ended up working the best for us and set us down this path was uh, finally a classy and elegant way to stay in touch with your top clients. Right. And then whenever you go to the landing page, it's marketing beautifully. You know, we took out the referral and the repeat of business and all of the the money and the, the revenue and all the this. The buzzwords. Yeah, all this yep. stuff behind it and just focused on what do people actually want. And people want, uh, people want to to feel good. They want to feel like, um, you know, they're portraying themselves in a quality way. And getting that out there in as short a time as possible was critical to our success on, on online. I love that. And tying that back to the first point, which is you, your website, you know, why are you doing it? You're doing it to drive leads. The first thing that you have to share and show to people is the value that you provide. Maybe you call it your services, right? Maybe you call it your the products that you're you're giving out there, but it has to be crystal clear, not just the product, not just what you, who you are, but the actual solution, the value that you're giving to a client. And then what Josh is saying, which is critical, is that you have less than the attention span of a goldfish to capture them. You said one and a half seconds to get somebody to actually stay on your page? No, you've got eight seconds to to get them to understand what you're all about. Well, that leads kind of right into the second point, which is what differentiates you from your competition? What is, and this plays more into your story, so first you're, you're sharing kind of, hey, this is what we provide, this is the solution we provide, but then what differentiates you from your competition, and why should someone choose you? Why should they keep coming back to your website? Why should they keep interacting with your brand versus all the other real estate agents, insurance agents, whatever it industry you're in, 
why should they choose you? And your website has to speak to that. Do you guys have any thoughts that you can give them on how maybe they could do that or some stuff that we've done to differentiate ourselves? I know personally that, um, you know, I believe one of the things that we do extremely well is showcase trust signals on mm-hmm. our website. And what I mean by trust signals for people who don't um, know who are listening to this is really on the buyer's journey, you convince somebody by logic, but they buy, they want to trust you. They want to, you know, emotionally buy. And we're showcasing other logos of people we work with. We're showcasing testimonials right there. That's a way for us to kind of differentiate ourselves from a somebody that maybe doesn't have the results that we have. Yeah. So, I mean, like they are great is always better than we are great, right? Having someone else say how good you are or how how good the experience was is always going to carry more weight than someone saying or someone standing out there saying, I'm so great. You know, and that's, right. that's the idea of social proof. And what you would be doing is taking your customer reviews that you're receiving on Facebook, taking those reviews that you're getting on Google. And if you're not asking your clients to do this, make sure that you're asking them to do that. And, and you have to have these pages set up. And I don't know if we want to get into kind of how we set these pages up, but you have to have a local presence on Google. You have to have a page set up on Facebook in order to get these reviews. And then if you're using things like the Facebook logo, you're using your Google logo in order, when you're showing your reviews, visitors are automatically going to trust that more because it's a big trusted brand to begin with. And that's where the trust signal comes into play. So your social proof are your testimonials. These are other people saying how great their experience was. And then the other brands that you're bringing in are your trust signals. And if you partner with somebody, like you said, we right. we do logos um, with brands that we work with because you know they're bigger than us. Correct. And whenever uh, one of our prospects comes to our page and they see, oh, they also work with these people, then there's immediate, immediate yep. trust built there within seconds. And what I would say is one of the things I'm seeing across the web right now when it comes to marketing is one of the issues we all face is we're all doing the same thing. <laughs> so you need to find creative ways to showcase your success. And, and believe it or not, a lot of people are not doing testimonial videos. It's something everybody knows about, but most people don't take because it takes a lot of effort to do. And so I would encourage all of our people listening is that it's really simple for you to get a testimonial. The reason why it's more simple for you than maybe another business is because you're usually at the closing table with them. When you sign the deal in real estate, you're usually investing and meeting with them once a quarter on their investments. And it gives you the perfect opportunity to film a testimonial video, and I would encourage you to keep them short. When I'm reading our testimonials, we almost, in a way, we don't rewrite the testimonial, but we want to make the point stand out quickly so someone doesn't have to read a whole paragraph. And a lot of testimonials that you see online, they're too long that you can't get the actual proof out to that person within that one and a half seconds, within that, you know, detention span of a goldfish. And that's where you lose people. I think that you need to constantly, when you're working with your clients over the course of a year or even over the course of a couple of years, you need to be keeping your eye out for potential clients that are going to be conducive to a testimonial. Because some people, especially if you're doing video, it's difficult for some people to be in front of a camera. And I think that people have bad experiences getting the testimonials under those circumstances. But I think testimonials are so crucial because we live in an age right now where everything is so exaggerated. Every single product in the world, whether it's a cup, a coffee mug, uh, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's the best ever. And people are just so, um, they're just so used to this constant uh, hyperbolic way of talking about products that the only thing that is actually going to convince them 
is another customer that's in their exact same shoes. Obviously, a brand is going to tell you that they're amazing, they're the best ever, but that's their brand. That's what they do. That's their job. But when somebody else is saying it about the brand, it gives that person uh, a lot more trust. They're going to trust another customer. They're not really going to trust the brand. Correct. So, and there's a couple ways you can do that. Obviously, we're talking about trust <clears throat> signals. So, you can do it by showcasing vendors, partners you're working with. You can showcase it by video testimonials. You can do case studies. So, Septon's one of our writers here. So, he's a talented writer. He's done case studies before. But that's a great way to do it because it is what the customer's results are. It's not what, you know necessarily bragging on us as much as just this is what they did. Well, and it and allows them results. allows your reader to relate to something. Correct. Right? They can immediately start putting themselves in that same position. Oh, yeah, I have that much years of experience. Oh, I've had that same problem with my marketing in the past. And they can start to see how they fit into your story. And all this really drives to, I want to get to this main point, because I think this is probably the most valuable point of the podcast, which is, what do you want your website visitor to do? Well, before, I mean, and I don't mean to cut you off, before we tackle that, I would say, since we're on like the conversation of trust, like we also have to place an emphasis on design. Because what we've looked at, and this is something that I'm passionate about, right? <laughs> I listened to the cold calling episode uh, that you guys did yep. a, cu- a couple episodes ago, and and hearing the passion that you have for cold calling, you know, just reminded me. Look, my passion is in design. My passion is in in. I started off with websites. I started off with this company, designing websites. We were in a garage, <laughs> selling cars, but we were actually you know starting. Uh, that's what I was hired for: website design. And and you know today more so than then 15 years ago. I mean, design is critical in building trust. And there's actually a, a, a study that co-marketing did that said that 94% of people uh, cited web design as the reason that they mistrusted or rejected a website. That's insane. So immediately within that first 0.5 seconds that your website is loading, that's how much time you have and how many people will mistrust you if they can't find you or if your website is not, is not well designed. Um, and at the end of the day, when we talk about trust, you know, we have to talk about the value of trust. Not only is that going to be driving leads, but, you know, trust is going to lead to those conversations. Correct. And as we know, and as everyone on here who knows who's, uh, who's a sales professional, that conversations lead to closes. So you have to build that bridge, walk them through that journey. And a lot of it starts with the design. So it's, it's not scary anymore because you don't have to go learn how to write HTML and Correct. learn Photoshop. There's so many tools available to you for free for small fees, whatever, to put together well-designed websites and landing pages, and all you have to do is fill in the content. No, I think you are making an absolute critical point, which is this is the same when we even you referenced the cold calling. We talked about people are convinced on logic, but they buy on emotion. Design is so awesome because it can play into both parts of that. It will emo- it will rise emotion in you. It will make you feel something, and that feeling obviously can be that trust that it's actually convincing you that this is a big brand. These people know what they're doing. Look how their pictures are. Look how their website is designed. And I find myself making that decision. And if you look at like the buyer's journey, we make this decision all the time in stuff we buy. We buy based upon how it looks, whether it's our car, whether it's our kitchen appliances, whether I mean, whatever it is, we buy based Beats. We were talking about Beats headphones, right? They have done an incredible job oh, of marketing. there's so many headphones with better quality. <laughs> you you right? talked that they put weight in their headphone, right? And yeah, this is not like maybe a, a website design, but they put little pieces of metal in their headphones to make them feel heavier because the just the whole feel yeah. of it, the, the design of it just makes you feel quality. That's an awesome And point. what it really comes down to is if you're going to be representing a client, 
you need to represent yourself well because it's going to be an indication of how you represent that client. It's like we deal with a lot of real estate agents. So when a real estate agent doesn't do a super great job of representing themselves and their image, it's going to lead any potential client to think to themselves, well, how are they going to represent me? Yep. Yeah, look at what a company does, not what they say. Exactly. That's that's the key to figuring out marketing sales. Like what yeah. they do, not what they say. All right. So no, I think that's a great point. Um, that really leads to why are you building this trust? You're building the trust so they make a decision and they take action on something. And that gets into the point of what do you want your website visitors to do? What do you want them to actually get into? And we talked about this. Now, we're probably coming to the end of this podcast because we're running out of time. But I want to touch on it a little bit. And then maybe in a future podcast, time. yeah, we can dive in deeper into lead pages. But we talked about the difference between like a website and a lead page. Josh, give them the example of our website and what leads we're driving from that versus our landing pages, our lead sites, as you would call them. Yeah. So, I mean, if we would look at our website uh, in total. And we use Google Analytics and we set up goals inside of Google Analytics to make sure that the forms and the lead uh, capture forms that we have created are being tracked, right? So right. we know how many visitors are coming to our site a month and then how many of those are converting to leads for our business. So if we look at our website overall, right now we're converting about 5.41% of uh of total sessions of, for people that are not logging in, right? So yep. just to kind of break that down, we have uh, people come to our homepage, ReminderMedia.com, to log into their account manager. Um, we take those people out of our uh, segments. We create a segment okay. specifically for people. We have about 69% of our total traffic are people that are not logging into our site, right? So out of that 69% of people that are coming to our site, we have about 40,000 people coming to our site a month or, okay. or sessions a month. But that's not breaking it down by unique visits. That's just breaking it down by sessions. We convert about 5.41% of those uh, people that come to our site. If we look at our landing pages, um, actually, if you just look at our social or our site traffic and break it down by social, Social traffic is converting at 11% okay. on our website. And that includes our landing pages, our So that's pages, people everything. coming from social. Yeah, people coming to from Facebook, coming from yep. LinkedIn, coming from Twitter, uh, whatever that might be. That's organic. That's lead. You know, that's paid ad driven. Um, but that's about 11%. You know, so we know that if we can bring in 40,000 people a month or 40,000 sessions a month, we know that's going to con- uh, equal about 2,000. 2,164 leads. Okay. So, but what, what do. decision are we asking them to make when we bring them to that so, landing page? And that's, a, well, so that's the difference in your homepage and your landing page. So yeah. on our homepage, we have about four different calls to action, okay. right? Because we don't know who these people are necessarily. So login, that's going to be a call to action for returning visitors. So that's very clear for them to be able to see. Now it's a little bit smaller because once you do it once, you know where to go and everyone knows to look in the upper right-hand corner for the login page Correct. for on the website. Um, our main call to action within our hero is our lead generator, right? So images speak louder than words, obviously. I think the human brain can process images 60,000 times faster than text. Ooh. So we start off with that nice big hero shot, a single image on your homepage, make, making sure that your main message in that shot is above the fold. Okay. So for those who aren't sure, uh, above the fold means without having to scroll. Okay. So whether that's on mobile or whether that's on desktop, you always want to make sure that your main hero shot and your text and your call to action is above that fold. Um, so our main call to action there is just, again, to request a PDF sample. It's a very light, non-commitment type of uh, request, but we have a very visual, you know, visually driven product. So people want to see it. Uh, they, want to, they want to get it, uh, physical samples as well, but that almost feels like, well, I don't want to give up my address, and right. I don't want to sit there and wait. I want instant gratification. 
send me a PDF of what this thing looks like and what it could look like with my photo on it, right? Yeah, tell them the difference. So you were telling me before the podcast of, you know, you're working on the call to actions. The key to a call to action is clarity and you don't want to distract them. The difference Josh just said between our you know, website versus maybe our lead page is our website has four different call to actions because we're just not sure who all these people are. And so we got to give multiple avenues, some are clients, some are prospects, et cetera. Our lead page is very specific because we're driving traffic to them through our ads, through Google, you know, through email marketing, all that good stuff. Tell them about the example you were saying on when we changed the call to action text because I just want to give people a flavor of just A-B testing and what that can do for your business. Yeah, so I mean, one of the one of the tips that we would give when building a website, doing landing pages, whatever, is to con- is to test constantly. Um, one of the things that we had done, and I pulled this for, I think, a live video that we did a few okay. months ago or something like that, but I pulled one of our landing pages and saw that we, we run uh, Google Experiments, right? And you don't have, again, I, I want to make sure that we're... we're being clear that you don't have to do all the technical stuff. You can literally set up one page with one URL, set up a second page with a second URL, and manually watch it. We have a lot of this automated because we have a lot of stuff going on. But we set up Google Experience uh, basically so that whenever somebody hits a web page that we're driving them to, uh, Google's going to uh, direct half the traffic to the one page, which is A, and half the traffic to the other page, which is B. Okay. We found that by changing the button text on our call to action button w- said "get a sample before," which was a little, um, uh, it was a little ambiguous. You know, you weren't sure. really sure what you were getting a sample of. It may have felt a little more committal because maybe you're thinking you're going to get a hard sample. You're going to sit there waiting right. mail. There's a lack of instant gratification. We changed that to get a, uh, and our uh, senior web designer, Dan, he, he is a testing machine. He <laughs> loves to test uh, almost so much I have to tell him to stop testing and just go, but he, he's constantly testing. So he changed that to get a PDF sample, right? And it's super simple. And right above it, the call to action text was, you know, get a PDF sample sent directly to your inbox. And then the whole messaging behind it was, you know, beautiful marketing. So we saw that our uh, conversion rate on that page actually went from 25%, which is really, really good for a landing page, up to 33%. Hmm. So if we, now, we always want to break down the math and work back. Yeah, talk about the money and the say, leads. what does that mean for our business? So if we break it down to its simplest form, it, it, every 100 people that we can bring that page, because of that increase, we're increasing our net leads by eight. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, until we, um, once we go play that out over the course of, all of our Facebook traffic. And right now we're bringing in about 6,000 unique link clicks uh, per month through all of our Facebook ads. Okay. So if all of our, now not all of our landing pages saw this <laughs> same increase, <laughs> but if all of our landing pages were seeing that same increase, that's an additional 480 leads for our business a month. It's interesting when you're talking about it and as I think about it and uh, just think from a logical standpoint. It seems to me that just being more direct and straightforward and less intrusive. So that combination of the two is the person didn't have to think about it. They knew exactly what they were getting, and it was less intrusive that that probably was two huge factors. Well, and then the next thing that we're testing is how do we work them further down that funnel and make it even more clear? So you were kind enough to record a video for us a few weeks ago. Tried to record a, (laughs) hey, thank you for requesting a sample video. Trying to use video. Yeah, and just saying thank you. You know, number one, thank you. 
Thanks for, for putting a little you bit like of us. trust in us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving us your email address. I mean, that is a huge deal. We nowadays. will not spam you. When somebody gives you your e- gives you their email address. So saying thank you if everything works out, you know, hey, we're gonna have someone co- uh, reach out to you and talk about what you thought about the sample. You know, in the meantime, if you're interested in talking now, you know, click here to schedule an appointment because you have people coming to your site. You're not sure why they're coming to their site. You're not sure what phase in the buyer's right. journey they're on. So if you have people, you want to give multiple ways for them to contact you, whether that's a phone number or a text message. You know, just text me right here at this number right now to find out a little bit more to speak to a rep now. Right. Or schedule an appointment to, you know, to speak Man, to Man, we one could of our get reps. into a whole podcast <laughs> on follow-up of leads because we talked about, you know, the blitz methodology of you can text people, email people, call people. We talked about the speed at which you want to get to a lead. But that's so critical when you think about your call to actions, what you're talking about, which is the journey of once they click that button, what happens to them? Because it's almost just as important, if not more important, in that after effect of what happens to them after they click that call to action. So I think that pretty much wraps up our time. I do want to make one more point, which is one of the things about websites that drives me absolutely nuts and is a pet peeve of mine, and I want to you know tell you guys, is that you, your contact information should be easy to find. <laughs> I am telling you, it's. I can't tell you how many times in my own personal life I get so frustrated when I go to a website, I cannot find their contact information. And so you're going to have to balance that with your call to action and your landing pages versus your website. But make sure your contact information is easy to find because if it's not, you're going to frustrate your customers. Um, and so you have to look at your business model and what you can do to make it easy for your con- your clients to contact you and get a hold of you. Awesome. All right, perfect. Well, thank you very much, Josh. We appreciate you guest starring on this podcast. If you like these tips, please give us a five-star review and a positive comment so we can keep making more of them. As always, my name is Sefton Eisenhart. And I'm Luke Acre, and I'm going to close with this, guys, is take action on one of the things you've heard today. The difference between a top producer and a mediocre agent, baby, is top producers take action. 